Hello everybody, FPL teacher here, trying to finish up most of the games before the international break. This time round with Chelsea 2, Everton 2. Yet another relatively entertaining game in terms of goals, completely deserves to be on the highlights reel only, as a lot of Graham Potter's idiocies continue to surface despite having all of their players in their working positions. While at the same time, we will also evaluate Everton's gallant comeback in this particular match looking at what they do best Chelsea this time having Chilwell and James as their wingbacks really looked like a three box three or rather a five box one type of formation where Chilwell and James were so far forward that the box appeared in attacking midfield. Enzo Fernandez and Matteo Kovacic were headed at least further up by Pulisic and Felix on paper. But the truth is that with Kai Havertz constantly pulling out to the right side, Joel Felix was the one making plays on the left half space. So really the story goes was that all of the big chances in the first half fell for anyone that operated on the left-hand side. Whether it was Chilwell dovetailing with Pulisic or whether it was Matteo Kovacic feeding Kai Havertz, all of everything good by Chelsea came from the left-hand side. Chilwell was one of the most involved. I'm sure many content creators would have touted this option forward anyway, but really things got out of hand for Chelsea in the second half after they had gone into the lead. Now this podcast is being recorded at a time fresh off the Graham Potter sacking. So really the new manager just has to utilize the transitional qualities that Chilwell and Joao Felix has at that left half space in order to take advantage of any late runners into the box such as Kai Havertz. Now, the second half was a completely different story as they did have a tactical advantage more down the right-hand side rather than their left. Reese James and Kai Havertz, if not Joel Felix himself, had multiple chances to run at Ben Godfrey 2v1, but somehow, after going into the lead, they brought Ruben Loftus-Cheek on for Matteo Kovacic. Graham Potter's strange decision to go defensive, trying to punish Everton on the counter-attack when Everton don't commit that many men for themselves, saw Everton eventually come back through set pieces and this was once again the massive test that Kepa and his back line faced. The issue with Kepa and his back three here would be that Chelsea's back three would more often than not dominate aerially and this allowed for a lot of outswingers to fall for Everton's centre-backs. This lack of mobility, insisting on a zonal system while Kepa stays on his line, will almost certainly favour teams going up against Chelsea next that can score from range. Another issue Chelsea had was that their substitutions or their game management relied on more of the same where even the introductions of Chukumueka and Chaloba in place of Fofana all were like for like and they basically just suited the same approach but in a more defensive position without offering a transitional solutions in, in order to hit Everton on the counter. 
Nevertheless, the overarching issue that Chelsea have within their squad is the failure to convert a lot of their big chances into wins. Even in the dying seconds of the game, Kai Havertz and Badiashil all had massive chances to actually seal the game in extra time. And at this stage, really, Graham Potter is just failing to motivate the squad to at least show some sort of imperious momentum to see out games against sides that are inferior to them. Everton, who we've not seen in a while to be honest, continue to rely on their default 4-5-1-4-3-3 setup using late runners from midfield if not set pieces to take control of games. This time round though, Ben Godfrey still played at left back despite the presence of Mikoleko on the bench eventually coming on and really what we witnessed here is Sean Dyche's side once again depending on his Protect the V concept using various triangles to handle Chelsea's attacking threats. Now, the first half basically saw Chelsea dominate simply because of them having to deal with an awkward situation, Christian Pulisic popping up in the right half space. This would usually fall to the responsibility of Abdullah Dokore or Idrissa Gay, but Pulisic's runs tended to move towards right back where Ben Chilwell already was. So right back Chris, uh, Sean Seamus Coleman had a lot of decisions to make in terms of handling this 2v1 situation. He could either push up to Ben Chilwell and allow one of his midfielders to push back and cover for him. And this initial decision did not work simply because by pushing up the Chilwell, that it left a lot of space for Dokore who was already working with Gray for the up front to cover his ground. So instead, as per the Protect the V concept, Seamus Coleman stayed at home and this conceded a lot of space out wide for the likes of Dwight McNeil or Iwobi to cover. Now the merits of this particular 4-5-1 formation is that their central midfielders are so mobile that they can all squeeze up to the same area of the pitch, essentially forming their own local counterpress whenever Chelsea's back three or back four were caved in. And this led to opposition wingers on the opposite side, sorry, not opposition wingers, such as Dwight McNeil, all the way on the left flank to suddenly pop up in the number 10 position, and this was exactly how Everton got their early shots off. Eventually, however, we have to realize that this is Everton playing away from home, so set pieces are still the order of the day. The Tarkovsky far post header from a corner that led to Dukore's late run as well as his near post finish is something that we've seen multiple times now so it's no surprise and it just comes down to how often they run this play while at the moment really the idea of trying to figure out which center back to pick from Everton should we ever want to buy Everton center backs again comes down to analyzing their opponents near post or far post weaknesses. At the moment we know that out swingers will almost favor Tarkovsky while in swingers to the near post will help Keane's case.
Now this particular pattern of play really relies on the locations where Chelsea win their free kicks or at least the positions of their corners. So while Iwobi has been doing a lot of good work down the right side, essentially it is still Dwight McNeil who, set, who sends in the crosses. And in this particular case, they had more corners than free kicks that led to a lot of outswingers that eventually fell for Tarkovsky. Now that being said, we still are here for FPL purposes to look at how to target Everton's defence, particularly when Everton play away from home. And this, as mentioned before, comes down to the overloads that they choose to undertake as a risk in order to have better cohesion up front. At the moment, it is their fullbacks who are massively exposed as their half-space runners, the Kore and Onana, were seen jogging back basically while their fullbacks were exposed while the wingers continued to be committed high up. Whether we call it fortunate or not, at least we know that Everton will concede chances down both flanks so long as we can identify a number 10 or a wing-based relationship that will go up against Everton's fullbacks 2v1. It cannot be understated how competitive the state of the league is right now. Chelsea against Everton would normally foresee a straightforward Blues victory as they did take the lead here, but classic competition from the likes of a lot of teams well executed plan A's at the bottom usually take advantage of a lot of established teams plan B's as these flawed sides continue to be taken advantage of, particularly using relatively unmeasurable skills such as momentum, game management and in particular substitutes impacts at least in terms of the injection of pace and so-called unpredictability they brought to the game. This is FPL Teacher who will also look at Wolves and Everton's Game Week 29 games before doing both report cards.